This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. Into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. Connor to the five and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Bring it on, bring it on. Touchdown, Saban Collins. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Are we still on the, uh, the forever wait? I do like that term, the forever wait. It has nothing to do with the Purge movies, Danny Sarek, so don't even over there, okay? It's actually props to Darren Urban, who coined the forever wait. Um, Calvisi Consulting, the Pauly Pigskin Division, does have one micro-suggestion, though. What's that? To evolve the concept here on Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. What about the addition of a countdown clock? Of course, I'm ripping that off Super Bowl Sunday and many other mega events, right? But it's a mega event when you throw the countdown clock up there. And in real time, can't you make that happen technically on azcardinals.com since technically he is in charge of the website, is he not, Dan? Darren's in charge of everything. I'm not going to okay. finish that because I know that's going to get uh, right. pulled for the open. Yeah, so I'm going to stop myself saying that line. Yes, Darren is in charge of azcardinals.com. I said that fast enough to where they can't clip it of Darren is... I, I could do that if if you felt strongly about it. I'm I'm sorry. Once you mentioned the purge, I kept waiting for the cool Paul Calvisi going down well, no, the purge I, names. Well, I don't have those at my disposal. I mean, just off the top of my head, there's the purge, the purge <laughs> anarchy, the first purge, the forever purge, and the purge election year. And That's going to be our new sponsor. <laughs> I do. I hope so. I could do the uh, – I don't want to purge any kind of – countdown clock i mean we could have that that's we're getting it seems like we're getting closer to that doesn't it (laughs) well (laughs) kyler murray wait for it has been activated so it's not just lip service right not just an announcement not just telling the media maybe what they want to hear or what the opposition needs to hear he has been activated so that can only mean one thing right danny sarek come on now kyler murray's gonna play sunday yep barring a setback (laughs) Which, knock on wood, none of us are expecting at practice. I Kyler Murray's back. That was metal. You knocked on metal. Oh, I, sh- I thought it was. I thought this table was oh, like wood on, on the, the outside. On the box here. No, I thought this was like. Formica, for, maybe? Hmm. I don't know. So, look, the schedule reads that the season opener was September 10th, but uh, we'd like to disagree. The real season opener, November 12th, against Atlanta, you are hitting the big red reset button in a lot of different ways. This isn't really the Arizona Cardinals until you get your franchise quarterback to your QB1, K1 under I, center. I would agree with that. I think this is the, the tale of two seasons. Well, one season. The tale of two halves of one season? I don't, I don't know. I'm going to have to workshop that. You know, I but, never thought sitting at a roundtable on a podcast with Darren Urban that I would come off as the pessimist, but I will do my best here. Oh, I'll give you a run for your money. I agree that this is the turn of a page. Because the play you're going to get from Kyler Murray is different than the play you are getting from Josh Dobbs or Clayton Toon. No knock to the two of those, just saying the type of quarterback and type of player that Kyler Murray is. I don't want to take that away. Absolutely, his return will elevate this offense and in turn, I think, elevate this team. 
I don't want to have this expectation that Kyler Murray is putting on his Superman cape and he's coming in to save the day in the final eight games. The Cardinals are going to possibly win six or seven of them when you're looking at their opponents. That's just not realistic in my mind that Kyler's going to come in and he's going to fix all the problems. Coming off this Browns game in Cleveland specifically, yes. It was difficult when you have a rookie quarterback getting his first start. It was so much more than that when you look at the struggles of the offense. So while Kyler Murray is going to elevate, I don't want people to have this expectation, in my opinion, that he's going to come in and suddenly this is going to be a completely different offense. I, I'm not I'm not disagreeing How'd I do, with Darren? you. you you're, you're a fine, fine pessimist. Thank you. Don't tell Craig Grealou. He'll, it'll mess up that whole <laughs> thing of the three of us he's got. Um I, and I'm not sitting here thinking, you know, even Jonathan Gannon said uh, Monday when he was talking about Kyler Murray potentially starting Sunday. He's starting Sunday. Uh, Come okay. on. Barring um, a setback. Barring a setback. Um, he did say that, hey, we shouldn't get over our skis. He didn't say that. But, like, he's he not sure that we're going to see the Kyler Murray we're always used to seeing just because it's been a while since Kyler Murray has played football. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. So I'm I'm in agreement with Danny on this one single issue. I'm glad that was caught on camera. But Sean Watson put some ugly football out there, and he still got a win. The talent eventually took over. You know, there's Kyler watching Deshaun Watson, and I'm standing behind Kyler on the sideline, and I'm thinking, what's Kyler thinking? Could you see over him? Don't take that, Paul. Once again, he's, you know what, where is my list? I'm writing that down right here. Darren Urban, right behind the name Ooh, Dave Pash. he's making a list right around yeah. holiday time. Stenata Watch List, National Association of Diminutive Americans. Uh, Dave Pash for comments detrimental against Tutu Atwell and Greg Dorch. Uh, now Darren Urban uh, accordingly right there. Okay. Um, so if you're watching Deshaun Watson, you're saying, oh, wait a minute, a lot of ugly football out there. But when it came time to make game-winning plays, game-changing plays, Deshaun Watson did that. An elite, highly paid quarterback, obviously, Deshaun Watson. You ask any player in any locker room, Deshaun Watson, what's his number? <laughs> 230. See, that's... That's what they say. His I, number is 230. Deshaun Watson's not number four. His number is 230. That's how much guaranteed money he has in his contract. That's what Deshaun Watson is known for. And there he was. I mean, he couldn't complete a five yard out i mean some of his checkdowns hit the turf but he had the 49 yarder and the 59 yard strike to amari cooper those changed the game in so many different ways and eventually once again the talent won out so for kyler is he going to be rusty absolutely you know not rusty maybe i mean deshaun watson at least had camp but he hadn't played in five weeks save 12 snaps and so i i just think that and and then there's there's this aspect of it what does having a franchise legit QB1 do for the rest of the team? How does it elevate everyone else? Because you go into that battle on Sunday knowing you have that chance to win when you have your guy playing quarterback. Absolutely. When you have a, a franchise quarterback, part of their role is to elevate the players around them. I think that's going to be up to Kyler Murray, and, and that's something he's going to have to do. That's not something we saw last year. We talked about it on this podcast that – we didn't feel he was doing that. Now, times change. We have heard from his teammates and his coaches how diligent Kyler has been watching film and in the meeting rooms, understanding this new offense. We have seen a different side of Kyler in terms of not just like physically seeing him around more and, and rehabbing and being here in the offseason, but just seems like he's involved more, like he really is stepping in to that leadership role. The good news is him 
coming on to the field now in the middle of the season, he has chemistry with majority of his receivers. He's thrown to Hollywood Brown plenty of times. He has experience with Trey McBride, with James Conner out of the backfield, with Zach Ertz, with Rondale Moore. So if you're looking at your key receivers, it's really just Michael Wilson that he hasn't had a ton of experience with, which is good. But there's still aspects of this offense that he's going to have to pick up. And it's also going to be his job to make sure he is putting his teammates in the right position and that the accurate deep ball that we had seen the last couple of years that had fallen off last year is back. I, for, for me, like, I don't even, I, I don't, I don't want to say I don't care, but I don't care about like what receivers he's throwing to. For me, this whole thing is about Kyler and himself for me. When he goes back on the field, how comfortable is he as a football player knowing the last time he was out there with other opponent football players, his knee got knee blow up. Now, that said, it was a weird thing. It was like a, it was non-contact. It wasn't even getting hit. But see, to me, that's that's all of it right now. I'm not really worried about the rest of it. Even being in a new offense, I'm not even that worried about that. I'm worried about where his head is in terms of running around on a football field with guys trying to tackle you when you're coming off this injury. Do you think it's more or less mentally challenging because it was a non-contact injury? If, I, if, if you had been piled up on and twisted every which way and suffered a leg injury that way because you had four 300-pounders twisting you like a pretzel, is that different than all of a sudden, out of nowhere, for the first time in your career, you planted and suffered a season-ending knee injury. I say this as someone who has not suffered a torn ACL, knock on wood twice again, uh, and doesn't play football for a living. I would think if you're going to get tackled more times in a game, possibly, maybe not as a quarterback, I would think that it would be difficult mentally if this had happened under a pile when he was getting tackled because he is a quarterback that likes to escape and and run. And I, I would imagine that it's would be difficult mentally if every play you have these 200 300 pound guys coming at you and all of a sudden now you're meant to like oh shoot I can't I can't let them touch me because of my knee which I know sounds he doesn't want to this makes sense in my head and I don't think I'm doing a good job <laughs> I think I think it is so much less likely even though it did happen for the type of injury that Kyler sustained to happen the way it did that even though that would still be difficult mentally, I would think if you were getting tackled and you were getting sacked and that's how he tore his ACL, I think that would be really difficult every single play trying to avoid that. I, I still think there's there's got to be a part of him, though, even though it was non-contact, that you know it's happened once. And if it's happening when you're not getting tackled, how much do you, do you get worried that how much do the odds go up that'll happen when you do get tackled? I heard an athlete, I forget which NFL player is coming back from a knee injury recently, say, you know, you can go through the cones and the drills all you want because you know where you're going. It's a predetermined drill. You're going to go down there to the 10, you're going to cut left. But in a game, you don't know which way you're going to have to move instantaneously based on the defender or if you're playing defense based on which way you're going to have to tackle a guy as he's trying to. So it's a totally different set of circumstances and maybe level of confidence you have to have in your rehab. We'll see. I mean, what are we guaranteed to see from Kyla Murray in his debut? I think you'll see the vision. You'll see the arm talent. 
I don't know to what degree we'll see the mobility. You know, is he going to be more like to use a totally different skill set comparison, but the same mindset? Remember Peyton Manning at the end of his career? If anyone got within five yards of him, he just threw the ball into the turf. He's like, I'm not even risking it. Is that Kyler Murray in this case? I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Kyler scramble on a few plays. I don't know that you'll see a lot of designed run plays right off the top, not even just this week, but I think a couple weeks. And you know what? Hit pause right there because in Kyler's career, he's not been a fan of the design run. That's a big difference between him and a Josh Dobbs, for example, is that when Kyler runs the ball, he's always been more a fan of it's organic. Defense has their back to me. I'm gone. Or I get flushed out of the pocket. Guess what? I see a lane to the sticks and getting out of bounds. He's never really been that big a fan of, hey, let's go quarterback power right to the pylon. Right. I also think it will be interesting to see, and I don't think this is something we'll necessarily see in the first game since Kyler's only had three weeks of practice. I think over time it will be interesting if this coaching staff, if it's something that they want to change or they want to let Kyler do his thing. The biggest difference to me when watching Dobbs scramble was he would hang in the pocket and he would run through the gap forward where Kyler has a tendency to roll out and take the ball back an extra 5 or 10 yards, which then could lead to a 15, 20-yard sack otherwise. That's something that I think when you're talking about Kyler running, which I know I'm kind of not really answering your question, but I do think that's an interesting thing to keep an eye on for the future of does the way Kyler runs, does the way he not even runs scramble, is that something that the staff is going to try to adjust? And maybe the first thing we'll notice, forget the running, is how long he hangs in the pocket. Is he willing to climb the pocket? How is he with guys at his feet? How is he when that pocket is collapsing from the inside out? You know, where is he? You know, Is he still going to hang in and try and get to his second or third read, go through his progressions? These are all things we're going to, we're going to find out. It's... These are things you can't replicate in practice. That's why Garrett Williams told us in the Big Red Rage, at some point, you're only going to get so much out of practice. All right, the Allen Iverson, you're only going to get so much. There's a ceiling on practice and what it can do for you. And obviously, nobody is ever touching the quarterback in practice. I will say I am very excited for this accuracy from Kyler Murray because I think when you think about this season and a handful of plays – not guaranteed that Kyler would have made them. However, it would have he would have had a good chance of how many times was Hollywood Brown open and he was overthrown or he was thrown out of bounds or the interceptions that were behind tight ends of Zach Ertz or Trey McBride or interceptions thrown in the end zone. I think that's a big area that is really going to boost this offense is the accuracy how quick Kyler can get the ball out and the zip he throws it with and how that's going to benefit his receivers. I, 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 there are just so many things that he brings to the table. It's funny, we talk about what he might not be able to do when he comes back. And with all due respect to Clayton Toon, we saw what Clayton Toon couldn't do last week. And, and I know there's a lot that goes into that, but ultimately I do think Kyler ratchets, ratchets up that position significantly just by being on the field what if the pass protection though is the level of what it was for Clayton Toon especially considering you might still be dealing with some significant offensive line injuries oh yeah by the time you get to Sunday well so Clayton Toon was sacked seven times hit 10 times so what does that mean I mean in other words to what degree did you really get a fair evaluation 
of a Clayton tune. He was under duress so quickly, it, so although, often. Although it was funny, I looked it up. On his 32 dropbacks, he was pressured only 17 times. Hmm. It seemed like it was way more. Right. But yeah. that's that's what... Now, he was not good those 17 times. Right. And only the coaches know how, how much quicker should the ball have come out yeah. to absolve his offensive line. And then even times where the ball did come out, he airmailed a receiver for an interception. And then the second interception was, I mean, that was right in front of us on the sideline. And you saw 44 the whole way, like, no, no, no. And then, you know, everyone was screaming from the sideline and that ball got loose and it was a ball never should have been thrown. Uh, Let's zoom out. Talking about rookie quarterbacks, and you can apply this to any quarterback, really. Look at what C.J. Stroud is doing right now for Houston. And look at what Bryce Young is not doing for Carolina. I looked it up. Bryce Young has been sacked 29 times and hit 63 times. They have arguably the worst offensive line in the NFL, Carolina. So to what degree does that go in the equation when you're trying to judge a Bryce Young? Uh, Kurt Warner tweeted about it the other day, and that was his exact point. His exact point was... I get what everybody's trying to say about C.J. Stroud, but it is not C.J. Stroud's offensive line is light years better than the Panthers, and that makes a difference. Now, that's not to take anything away from C.J. Stroud. When you throw for five touchdowns in a game and a rookie record, 470 passing yards, and you lead a game-winning drive. Did did he not get the record that the Cardinals have Houston's first overall pick and he's not doing us any favors? Should we remind him when we go to Houston in a few weeks? What's the opposite of a thank you note? Because that's what C.J. Stroud deserves at this point from the Red Sea. You're right. No doubt. But once again, for Clayton Toon, and he looked every bit the part of a fifth-round rookie, and you never know what you're going to get. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the pick right after him, looked very similar to that in week four when he started. But Aiden O'Connell for the Raiders, a fourth-round pick, fared pretty well. So, okay. All that is moot, and that is secondary to the fact that Kyler Murray is playing on Sunday. Barring a setback, everybody now. Wolf asked me on his radio show on Monday, what are you most curious to see? The number one thing I said, Kyler in this offense. What does it look like? As a refresher for everyone, Josh Dobbs in the first six games of the Cardinals season was under center more snaps than Kyler Murray has been his entire NFL career. Does it look the same? Is he under center to the same degree? Do you know the key word? For Jonathan Gannon, adapt. Does it look radically different in terms of being under center versus being in the shotgun, especially his first game back from a major knee injury? I think that is also something that we will see a progression of as the weeks go on. I wouldn't be surprised if this first game back, Kyler is in the shotgun more just because that's what he's done more in his career. I did think it was interesting when offensive coordinator Drew Petzing talked to the media Tuesday, and it was asked about, Kyler being under center, if that was going to be an adjustment and, and how confident Pensing was in that. And his answer was interesting to me because he said it's being under center isn't a limitation for Kyler. It's just something he hasn't really had to do. It's not like having him under center is a liability. He just hasn't played in any scheme that's really required him to do that, which I thought was an interesting way to think about it. I don't necessarily disagree, but I also think there's a difference between feeling like he can do it and whether he's Absolutely. comfortable or wants to do it, I think there's a difference there. 
Here's the big question. And see, I was on Red Sea Report earlier today, and I was coaching up Craig Grealow and especially Kyle Vandenbosch on the g- game of football. Okay? okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can we get that cut that uh, for Craig that Paul was coaching up Craig Grealow? And especially KVB. Include oh, that as well. I'm not going there. Going into the Cleveland game, the Arizona Cardinals offense was number four in rushing yards per game, 138. Number two in yards per carry, 5.1. Number one in 20-plus yard runs, 13 explosive runs for the Arizona Cardinals. What does that do for Kyler Murray? Dare I say, the only time in Kyler's career where he truly had a balanced offense, an offense with a top 10 running game, was the first half of 2021, when the Cardinals started 7-0, 10-2. They ran the ball with as much ability as they did throwing the ball. They had a 200-plus yard rushing game at the L.A. Rams when they jack-stomped in Week 4. They ran for over 200 at Cleveland in that big win. So what's most intriguing to me, beyond just what Kyler looks like in his own skill set, how much rust, et cetera, is what does he look like in this offense? And what does that do for Kyler? We talk so much about what Kyler does for the Cardinals, but what can a balanced offense that might just feature James Conner, who was top five in rushing when he got injured, and was tied for the NFL lead in explosive runs. What does that mean for Kyler and his performance against Atlanta and then the rest of the season? I think that's a really good point of how Kyler can really benefit from this type of scheme. That was one of the unfortunate parts is, well, James Conner's now missed the minimum four games after being placed on IR with a knee injury. You didn't have Amari DiMercato this week who was dealing with a toe. And the drop-off of not having those two was significant and and I I'm not quite sure if that's mostly on Keontae Ingram who has struggled to get positive yardage this year is that more of the blocking is that the situations that he's being put in in games but when you didn't have Connor and you didn't have DiMercato it was very clear that the Cardinals were not going to be able to be a balanced team what if your offensive line, starting O-line, left to right, because we haven't even hit practice so far yet this week. We have no idea. But what if you start this game the way you finished last game? And your offensive line, left to right, is Kelvin Beecham, Dennis Daly, a third stringer, Yelda Froholt at center, Carter O'Donnell made his regular season NFL debut last week at right guard, and then the rookie Paris Johnson Jr. I got two words for you. Max Protect. And the Cardinals actually did run Max Protect at the very end of that game. And you had an 11-yard completion from Clayton Toon to Hollywood Brown. It was one of his better throws towards the end of that game. And I'll be honest with you, I wonder to myself, should that have been an adjustment earlier in the game, Max Protect? Because Hollywood Brown is beating everyone and everything that defenses are throwing at him. I don't care if you put two receivers out there and you block seven, Hollywood's winning his matchup. That's a fair point. And you know... That with Kyler Murray, a quarterback, Hollywood Brown is going to get yeah. eyeballs on him down yeah. the field. And, and they have instant chemistry. Yeah. So I like that idea. I, it's, it, Paul Calvisi, no. new assistant coach. It's big consideration as to... and then Calvisi coaching. Converse, has, that, has that been used yet, ever? <laughs> it probably should have been. Uh, but no, we're not laying claim to that one. Um, you were you did say you were coaching up Craig and KVB. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, my hands. Are, my hands. <laughs> or does that does that fall under the Calvisi Consulting umbrella? There's only so many hours in the day. By the time I'm done coaching up Craig Grealu, I mean, you know, come on now, I'm exhausted at that point. Let's be honest. So, but yeah, the question becomes too is what does that mean for Kyler's confidence? 
It's a lot different if Kyler's in the huddle and he's got his franchise left tackle, DJ Humphreys, there. I'll tell you a quick funny story from uh, week two last year at the Raiders. DJ Humphreys went out for one play in that game. He got banged up and he had to come out because he got medical attention on the field. He comes to the sideline. I don't know if he just lost his win, whatever. It was apparent he was okay and he was instantly ready to go back in. I found out later that Chandler Jones was yelling at Kyler, You better hope he comes back! (laughs) Because Chandler was getting stymied by DJ the entire game. And apparently someone was talking something to Chandler Jones like, you ain't getting to the quarterback, are you? Are you, Chan? And he was getting really frustrated. And then the very and, – and DJ was – I mean, he always he's always a dog on game day. But he's like, get off me. I'm going back in. He didn't want anyone talking to him from the training staff. I'm going back in. So there's got to be a level of confidence in Kyler Murray and having DJ Humphreys, your franchise left tackle out there, right? Yes. I, I would I would think so. Although I would think there'd be well, I would hope there'd be some confidence too with Beach, although obviously True. Beach and Kyler are right. What was the nickname last year? Beach and the backups? <laughs> that was it was like a fifties band, fifties yeah, cover Beach band. Was the last man standing. He was. Game, he, he was, yes. It's gonna be I, I do I mean the offense I asked Jonathan Gannon Monday if the offensive line injuries could impact whether Kyler would start Sunday. He said no. So okay. So that doesn't fall under the umbrella of setback, a shuffled offensive line. No, it would be something else. Okay. All right. Just uh, just curious about that. I, I am curious when we get our first look at practice during the open portion on Wednesday. Your favorite what? part of the week. Why do you have to say it like that? I don't know. I'm just saying it. I know you love it. What? I, don't, I don't know what you're implying. <laughs> I love being outside and watching practice. Some fresh air. Anywho, what point was I making? Oh. <laughs> Um, Does the fresh air help or hinder your sneezing? It helps because it's dry. What is with the two of you? I'm no. sorry that I got allergies no. and we were back in the Midwest and fall in Cleveland and I was sneezing, no, Paul. I was impressed. You actually kept count on Saturday. How many sneezes was it? Because it got it? so ridiculous. It was 16. <laughs> okay. And I could have Sam Huff in our video department, yeah. who is my roommate on the road, vouch for that because at one point I looked at her and I said, you don't have to keep saying bless you. And she said, thank you. Not that not Sam Huff, the former Giants linebacker. <laughs> That's right. Just to make Which sure. we actually saw at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. She oh, took his picture with the bus. Right. That's nice. What? Nice. point was I oh no. back to my point it's when, not we, a, it's when we not get a, a chance to go out there to watch practice thank you I'm curious to yeah. see how different it looks from what we have seen from Kyler with the exception of him now throwing to Hollywood Brown and Michael Wilson if he's out there because what what Darren no I finish I was that's I'm, my point that's my point golly <laughs> what a day wow I was just going to say, I'm hoping he trolls us and throws to all the practice squad receivers again during the open part. <laughs> that would That's be good. possible. Yeah, that would be good. There's, uh, well, I mean, hey, uh, hopefully he doesn't speak that into existence. What is the status of, of a Michael Wilson? We don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see about that. Well, they did, they did release Daniel Ayers from the practice squad when they activated Kyler. Okay. So all right. I would assume that would mean one less body you need at practice for wide receiver which would seem to bode well for Michael Wilson yeah. okay uh so anyway Drew Petzing was asked what do you want to see out of Kyla Murray and he said the big thing was just everything's clean from an operation standpoint in the offense right and then the decision making you know how you get in and out of the huddle all that kind of stuff and uh, you know the communication so it's amazing the first five things he listed really had nothing to do with football at least after the snap everything was pre-snap pretty much that he listed. I guess decision-making would be once the ball's in play. But 
There are a lot of other things. Now, he has four years of experience. He's been to two Pro Bowls. He's played in a postseason game. But there is going to be some of that rust we would expect. On the other hand, Kyler comes in with uh, supreme confidence. When he was activated off the practice list, Michael Wilson told us at the end of an interview that Kyler had come up to the receivers as a group and said, as soon as I'm fully healthy, I'm going to beat most of you in the 40. So he always has confidence, Kyler Murray. Um, And so, you know, we'll see what that translates into. And against an Atlanta defense that features Calais Campbell, by the way, who gobbled up Josh Dobbs for a safety in the uh, the last game as they lost the Pastronaut at the very end. Calais has three sacks in his last five games, by the way. But they did put Grady Jarrett on IR just last week. was one of their big defensive linemen. So, How about Josh Dobbs doing um, what he did for that's Minnesota? That's exciting. It's great for him. I agree. I did think it was interesting that, like, NASA, and unless I'm forgetting NASA and, like, all these other people are, like, tweeting about, like, that history. And I'm like, where was all this tension when Josh Dobbs led the Cardinals to a win over the Cowboys? Yeah, the, the, the pastor Neither here nor there. The pastor on nickname is about two months old here in the AZ. Well, I think I think longer. I think he's been using that nickname actually yeah, for a quite I think quite some time pre- with himself. Yeah, that predated us. Which again, that was also a tweet that like that's a new nickname, which clearly haven't been following the Come Cardinals. Come on, Adam Schefter, someone. you know better. Oh, than you're going to name drop. I wasn't going to. So Adams or Adams? Oh my goodness, <laughs> Atlanta's <laughs> Atlanta's defense has given up one rushing touchdown in the last six games. Josh Dobbs, 18-yard scamper. So there you go. That was, uh, that was uh, entertaining stuff, no doubt about it. Uh, what else about this uh, game and uh, going into, I mean, look, that Cleveland game. Anybody want to have a comment? I mean, first off, Kyler's timing couldn't be better based on how historically poor the offensive showing was, right? I mean, the fact you get to wipe the slate clean and nobody's looking back, thankfully, at that offensive performance in Cleveland. Everyone's looking ahead now to Atlanta. So in terms of timing, it's already a win. I, the, I, don't, I don't even know how to describe what we saw offensively. Nine punts, two turnovers, a turnover on downs. There was nothing. I mean, like, it's it's one thing that, yes, Arizona was going up against the number one defense in Cleveland almost across the board in terms of where they lead the league. But they weren't even giving themselves a chance to compete offensively. And the defense, once again, I don't know if I would say they did enough to win, but I do think that the defense did a good job handling the situations they were put in, which was no break because – the offense couldn't get a first down you were putting the Browns in short field position it, it, it's difficult yep. and and there's there was a funky play that touched down to Amari Cooper that the, oh. the pass bounced off Dante Stills face mask and traveled 20 yards happened to land perfectly in Cooper's hands in the end zone even though Jalen Thompson was right there just felt like things were not going the Cardinals way yeah time of possession was 36 and a half to 23 and a half so the defense was definitely out there a long time it reminded me a lot of the 2014 playoff loss at Carolina with Ryan Lindley. Oh, yeah. Oh, where yeah. where yeah. you go back, they had 78 total yards in that playoff loss against Luke Keekley and Thomas oh, I, Davis. I was there, baby. Yeah. We, and it reminded me, it just like, okay, um, you just realized that the quarterback, Ryan Lindley then, Clayton Toon now. Great guy, Ryan Lindley. Great guy. Both, both a great guy, but you just they were overmatched. The moment yeah. the defense was just too much for him at that time. And, and especially when Clayton Toon was just getting lit up from the get-go. 
and defenders were all over him. It's funny you bring that playoff game up because one of the running backs the Cardinals were using at that point was Marion Grice because of Gen because of injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the Cardinals were down yeah. to yeah. their their top couple yeah. of running backs. Yeah. I will say since Arthur Smith shaved his mustache at 345 in the morning to try and turn things around for the Falcons would the same mantra work if Paul grew out his mustache again for the Cardinals okay his offseason one would he have to do it in the middle of the morning or in the dead of night I don't know how fast facial hair grows and more importantly I'm the same age as Arthur Smith I do wake up every night about 345 so it's possible <laughs> it's plausible yeah. why why did he do it at 345 I know maybe he didn't go to sleep or he woke up early I, I, I don't know why he was up at 345 he couldn't go back to sleep he said and uh, he decided at that moment that change was needed both with his team and, and personally and so he shaved the mustache although he did also say at the press conference towards the end apparently he said I'm already regretting it is what he said well, I think that means you should bring back your mustache do your part Paul well He's already been replaced on the mustache power pole. Right now, it's Travis Kelsey, begrudgingly. It's Aaron Rodgers. Begrudgingly? Well, you know, I mean, Travis Kelsey doesn't need any more spotlight, Danny. <laughs> and then you have Aaron Rodgers, number two. And number three in fast charging is Aiden O'Connell, the rookie quarterback for the Raiders. Have you seen his glorious mustache? I think I have. I mean, it's it, it's straight out of law enforcement. It's really i got to be honest. <laughs> there was a picture from the Combine. I need to find it somewhere. Where it was straight out of love, O'Connell. It was it really CJ is. Stroud, Bryce Young. Who was the other? Was there another high pick quarterback this year? Mm, good question. Oh, well, Anthony Richardson. Anthony. Oh, it was. It was Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, and Aiden O'Connell, who I believe had the mustache and he didn't quite look quite as built as them. And I'm like, who is that guy? And why is he in the same picture as the other three? Yeah, do yourself a favor. Do not stand next to Anthony Richardson. You, you, don't, you don't want to do that. That's, that's not in your best interest. There's no doubt about it. So, yeah, Arthur Smith, uh, he's got a team that's had five straight losing seasons, their last playoff year, 2017. But they're much like the Ravens and the Browns in the following category. They have rushed for 100 yards plus in seven to nine games this year. And in the last two years, they're second only to Baltimore in the number of 100-yard rushing games. They are rush first, second, and third. And if you guys remember, late last season, week 17, out of 18 last year, we were at Atlanta. Uh, they could, Tyler Algier, this is why I don't understand why they drafted Bijan Robinson, who now has fewer carries than Tyler Algier, who was the fifth-round rookie out of BYU last year, but a former Mike linebacker. Dude ran the ball with a vengeance. And in a lost season, the end of last year, there were a lot of business decisions being made. Nobody wanted a piece of that Algier didn't he kid. Run pretty well against the Cardinals at the end of the year. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 he, yeah, he he didn't want any any. Nobody wanted a part of tackling that guy. And he's actually taken over more of the role and the load because Bijan Robinson has been Which held is, under 65 yards rushing five games in a row. He's been held under 65 yeah. yards, or Bijan they're not Robinson, giving him the touches to get more than 65. A little yards. bit of both recently. So. But, you know, they haven't gotten a lot out of Kyle Pitts, obviously, the number four pick, so 2021. Drake London, a top 10 pick last year. So, you know, and then Bijan Robinson, they haven't got a lot out of these guys in terms of opening up the offense. And now you're changing your quarterback. Yeah, and now it's Taylor Heineke. Now here's your pro tip on Taylor Heineke. Jonathan Gannon and Nick Ross, very familiar with him from their days in the division. So they've game-planned against him at least twice 
and they know what he's all about. He does have this very unique ability to extend plays. He's a gamer. He's a baller. He's going to figure out these crazy ways to to get it done. He's kind of, you know, hair on fire, sort of like an old Brett Favre type. He's just going to gunsling that thing around the yard. So we'll see. Uh, honestly, I would have much rather have seen Desmond Ritter, the inexperienced Desmond Ritter, who is struggling. You got Taylor Heineke, who has a couple dozen starts under his belt over the last couple of years. So yeah. experience at least. Yeah, it, I mean, this is, uh, I don't know, if redemption game for the Cardinals defense, but you definitely have the opportunity to take advantage of an offense that doesn't really seem like they, they're cohesive. It seems like you have a couple of pieces, but you can't quite put it together to make the puzzle work. So we'll see about the Cardinals in that one. Once again, uh, Kyla Murray, I just think, is the rising tide that lifts all boats, especially coming off that deflating loss in Cleveland I would expect and look this isn't some big proclamation because we had this discussion earlier if there's one constant with this team this year it's been the urgency the effort and the intensity right think of the last couple years before a coaching change was made and a change in GM how many times did we come out on a Monday and say yeah guess what they were DOA in Detroit didn't have it. Remember that road loss. Oh, I, I remember. Yeah. I remember you were banging the drum hard on all of those, all the time. Well, I, I might have made a quip that I was ready to run an extra long set of jumper cables from the team yes. bus all the way to the sideline and hook it up to the I, metal bench. I, I believe I somewhat remember that. That was one joke I made. But it, by the time they got to the Carolina home loss against PJ Walker, where they had no energy <sighs> in that one, playoff game in LA. Playoff game in LA. Once this team fell behind even if it wasn't by a lot you could tell mentally on the field and on the sideline that they did not have that belief in each in 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 the team as a whole to, to come back that's it, different now it was september and kyle vandenbosch made a very astute observation he said the last couple of years you would turn on the film and there were 10 players and then buddha baker no one played with the intensity of buddha baker he stood out above everyone else that's now is Buda Baker still the best player on defense pound for pound absolutely but the disparity in effort and intensity is no longer there it's just um it is the third rail with Jonathan Gannon thou shalt at least bring the effort and that intensity or guess what I think a number of the players I'm not going to name names but there are a number of players who are no longer part of this roster who fell into that category you couldn't count on them for consistent effort all the time and buy-in and guess what this coaching staff is not interested in that sort of player they're looking for dudes who are deadly serious about the game of football that's fair and so that at least hasn't been a question yet and after a deflating game like that in the past it would have been right especially for the defense if the defense can't believe in the offense's ability to generate some points and at least give them a chance to get a cup of Gatorade instead of just a constant stream of three and outs, then that's when you run the risk of things bottoming out. I think, too, there have been situations this season around the league where a player on defense for their team has more or less made that exact comment, Paul, about we have to do more because our offense can't do anything. And you didn't hear that from the defense. You also heard opponents when they've looked at the Cardinals game film, like Matthew Stafford saying they really play hard. You know, the 49ers, when watching the Cardinals game film, going into that week four matchup, wow, this, this, they fly around. You could tell, like, it looks different to the opponents than what they've been accustomed yeah. to. 
So, oh, and I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. And again, when we circle all the way back to Kyler coming back, and and where this team is, like I said, I agree with Danny. Danny is 100. percent I finish finish the sentence. Darren. Pessimistic person. Oh, I'm gonna say right. Um, but while I don't know if if everything changes, wins and losses every week. I, I think if you add in the effort that you've been seeing with Kyler Murray back on the field, that's a, probably a pretty good combination. Like Jonathan Ledbetter said to the media, he told the team, are we hanging or banging? I, I'm not sure how we explain that exactly. I took it to me because he said the same thing in our postgame radio interview. I took it as, are we hanging like hanging our heads and feeling sorry for ourselves, or are we banging, going down swinging? Yeah, I... That's, is that the obvious translation of that? That's basically what he said. Okay, yes. just want to make sure I was I was up on the lingo. I, you know, we're gonna have we're gonna have you start saying that at the outset of every podcast. Darren, you've had enough time. Where is the countdown clock? You have your laptop there. You've been banging away. Have you been uh, you know, programming a countdown clock in azcardinals.com? I have not. However, I do want to bring up because uh, I may have said something somewhat derogatory towards your nada-ish. nada-ish. National Association of Diminutive Americans, NADA. I was conquered pretty handily by one Danny Sarek in Papa Shot Basketball over the oh. week. I forgot about that. Good reminder, Darren. Wow, that must have hurt. I mean, Darren prides himself. I mean, and I did it with me. these nails. I mean, Darren is a hoop-aholic, okay? So that must have hurt. That must have hit pretty close to home. We, I found out Darren. Danny was a baller. She played in school. Wow. Yep. Yep. Uh, So it was Friday night in Cleveland and a bunch of us walked into this dive bar and Darren was there and it had a few. The bar was literally called the the dive dive bar. bar. I see. Great music selection. See, Darren has that pre-programmed into his app. Google Maps takes him directly to anything named the dive bar. They had a bunch of arcade games. They had ski ball and stuff and they had Papa Shot. And so I had done one round before and I had done okay. So I look at Darren and I said, you want to go? He said, sure. So I go first, and I think I had. Oh, you crushed! Me. Like seventy six. You had fifty. And four. And oh, the time we went, you, you yeah. went, you got fifty nine. I had thirty four. That's what it was. Difference of twenty. So you have forty <laughs> seconds. And I remember I finished the round. Winning isn't enough. She's now rubbing it in. Oh, I know. And I look I at. I knew she would. I look at our producer who's standing with us. I go, Oh, I'm gonna wipe the floor with him. And then Darren goes. <laughs> oh, and it wasn't even close. Wow. Okay. It wasn't. Okay. All right, that's good. I'll be I'll be better prepared next time. I think I think it's maybe just because like I'm lowered to the as the balls are rolling back, right? Like on my arms, I'm not having to reach to grab the basketballs and shoot them. I'm just trying to help you out here. I I did not have the proper violence or intensity going into that, <laughs> right. and I will next time. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think this is the point of the podcast where we cue that song by Europe that was in the Geico commercial, right? The uh, final countdown, right? I think isn't this where we cue? The final countdown at some point here? Because I just Googled it up. I wanted to make sure it was Europe. Yes, yes, it's Europe. I didn't realize the lead singer's name, Joey Tempest. I had yes. no idea. That's a solid lead singer name. What is the, this is, I'm sorry, this is random. What is the date of the game Sunday? Is it the 12th? Yes, yes it is. So that'll be exactly 11 months from Kyler tearing his ACL. Look That's a good you. countdown. Look at you bringing the info. You know, math, it's my strong suit. All right, there we go. Start the countdown clock in three, two, one. After this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.